Welcome to OECD Podcast, where policy meets people. Lies, damned lies, and statistics. You might have heard this phrase, popularized by the writer Mark Twain, being used to describe the persuasive power of statistics, but it is also used to attack statistics. Yet everyone relies on data and statistics in one way or another for making decisions in everyday life, be it at home, at school, in business, or in government. But how can we trust the numbers we read, in the media, or in official government sources, or for that matter, from the OECD? It's an old question, but it has acquired a new seriousness in today's digital age, in part because there has never been so much information around. Unfortunately, that includes misinformation. But just as digital tools may have given the purveyors of fake news more bite, new technologies are now coming to the rescue by helping statisticians around the world improve the quality and the trustworthiness of the data they produce. I'm Rory Clark, and to help me explore these issues, I'm delighted to be joined by the Chief Statistician of the OECD, Paul Schreyer. Welcome to OECD Podcasts, Paul. Well, thank you, Rory. Very happy to exchange with you. And happy birthday, because you also head the Statistics and Data Directorate at the OECD, which celebrates its 30th anniversary this year. It's quite a milestone. Well, I'm looking at a memo that I uh, discovered a little while ago. It's dated from 1987 and was authored by Peter Hill, who was then the head of the statistics division in the bigger statistics and economics department. And he wrote to the chief economist, making a plea and a very good case for the establishment of a separate statistics directorate. And there were three things that he put forward at the time why this was such a good idea. The first one was there was strong demand for data. The second one was there were new methods of dissemination coming up, and he was quoting the use of magnetic tapes that was uh, really coming through. And thirdly, he said there was no statistical policy that the OECD entertained with countries, and all those things should be taken up by a statistics directorate. And uh, indeed, well, five years later, the statistics directorate was established, has we are there uh, 30 years later and I think we've come a long way uh, since then uh, even though many things uh, have uh, fundamentally remained similar in terms of the role that data and statistic plays for the OECD. Where do you stand on Mark Twain's line about damned lies and statistics? Frankly I think that even though this is widely quoted it does actually a bit of a disservice to statistics. It follows or it was very much popularized also by a book that was written in 1954 by Daryl Huff, which was called How to Lie with Statistics, probably inspired by Mark Twain. And it, it seemed to be one of the most widely read books on statistics uh, of all times. And obviously, I mean, there are many ways how uh, facts can be distorted or presented in a distorted way. But the real question is, suppose we had no statistics, would we be better off? Well, the answer is obviously no. And uh, so I think uh, reasoning about statistics only in terms of the way they can be distorted doesn't really bring out the big value that we get from the fact that we look at evidence uh, and of course we have to interpret it right afterwards. Now you have made trust in statistics a mission of the OECD. What do you think should be done to build up trust 
and combat the likes of fake news. The OECD's website is visited to a large degree by people who come for data. They expect to find information on a, a number of internationally comparable issues, but also they come to the OECD because they trust the information that is uh, provided there. And I think this uh, trust is a very important intangible asset for the organization. And uh, as we know, trust takes a long time to build up, but it can be lost very quickly if you don't uh, maintain it, if you don't nurture it, if you don't preserve it. How do we do this? The, the point is really to show that the OECD adds value and produces data that corresponds to what is universally or generally considered as quality statistics. We are following good practice in terms of uh, the data that we collect, in terms of the data that we treat, in terms of the data that we, uh, we disseminate. What do you mean by a quality statistic exactly? And how can people tell a trustworthy number from a misleading one? When we say quality, or when I say quality, very often this is immediately equated with accuracy of the data. Well, that is, of course, one important aspect of quality, but not the only one. You have relevance, okay? I mean, the most accurate uh, data point is useless if it doesn't tell you anything about the world out there. It, quality also means that data is accessible. Okay, so it shouldn't be hidden somewhere in an OECD database, but should be accessible and findable by a user out there. Now you ask me, uh, what does it mean uh, to, how can people tell that a, a number is trustworthy or not? I think that's the, the first immediate look should always be, what is the source of the data? Is there a source in the first place? A data point where there's no source is, is already something that should be uh, considered with a, a certain level of uh, suspicion. The second question that one has to ask is, are things properly defined? Or are these just notions that are thrown around without any, any clearer indication what exactly is meant by, uh, by the statements uh, that, are, uh, that are put forward? I'd like to refer to a book by uh, Tim Harford, who is a Financial Times uh, editor, he figures there as the undercover economist, and he has a, a great bent for, for data-related uh, work. And he wrote a book about a year ago or so, called How to Make the World Add Up. And he devotes a lot of the book exactly to the question what the layperson or uh, the average person can do and should do to get a good sense for quality statistics. For example, inequality is rising or has risen. Well ask, I mean, where does this information come from? What sort of inequality are we talking about? Is it about inequality in wealth? Is it about inequality in health? Which period are we talking about? Uh, are we talking about quarterly data? Are we talking about annual data? So, so digging down with the right questions tells you something about how trustworthy the statistics are or the statements are that are made. To what extent do you think the digital transformation has contributed to the spread of fake news and reinforced the need for statistical literacy? Digital transformation has uh, accelerated and accentuated developments. That is uh, quite, uh, quite clear. Statistical offices are no more the monopoly suppliers of data. 
digitalization was, of course, one of the reasons why suddenly you have so much more sources that are out there. And uh, so statistical literacy is even more important today than 30 years ago. Now, the OECD is an official source of data. It produces official statistics. What are official statistics exactly? And what makes them reliable? There is actually an even legal definition almost of official statistics. Uh, uh, Official statistics are all those statistics that are produced and published by institutions that are part of a country's national statistical system. So these institutions typically would, of course, uh, include uh, National Statistical Office, but you also almost always have the central bank as a major producer of statistics. You have statistical services of uh, particular ministries that may be specialized institutions doing so. I don't know, in the US, you have the Bureau of Labor Statistics is part of the national statistical system. And uh, in the European Union, actually, countries have to exhaustively list the institutions in the respective countries that are considered members of the national statistical system. They also enjoy a special position in government or in the administration in the fact that they are uh, subject to codes of practice in statistics. Codes of practice that put forward things like the professional independence of statistician against uh, political interference with uh, uh, the methodologies or data that they are uh, producing. We also at the OECD have uh, a council recommendation on good statistical practice, which lists uh, those characteristics that a good statistical system ought to have. So the OECD works alongside these national statistical offices from around the world. How does that actually work? We have very close relationships with these offices. The heads of these statistical offices meet at the OECD and discuss issues of statistical policy, which includes quite a few of the things that we were just talking about. We get a lot of data from them. We also work with them to have the standards by which data are transmitted and the definitions that underlie these data harmonized across countries. Because as you can imagine, we prefer to have data that are uh, internationally comparable. I'm wondering if you think there's enough public awareness of what goes into official statistics, especially given how good government policies depend on them. I think it, it, it there's a constant effort to be made to communicate on the fact that data don't grow on trees. There is a whole uh, history, a whole process, a whole industry, a professional way of going about producing statistics. And of course, that is closely related to the trust that people have in institutions. We need to entertain that conversation with users, alerting them to the value of the official statistics that we're using. Now, Paul, we've mentioned the information age in relation to trust and how digitalization has at least contributed to misinformation. But I presume the digital revolution has been good for statistics by helping you make them more reliable. Maybe you could tell us a bit about that. Digitalization has uh, advanced our work in a number of ways. First, it has opened up completely new sources for statistics. 
when the statistic directorate was put in place 30 years ago, the main source for data uh, for statistics was surveys. So, you know, go out, you, you question a household or a firm about uh, what uh, they're doing. Censuses, so you have a complete enumeration of the population and uh, other estimates, but mainly surveys, okay? Well, uh, nowadays you have uh, tools that permit to scrape websites to extract information on prices for products and that gives you additional information for your inflation numbers you also have geospatial data you are able to link sources now pollution is measured from space because you can look at the air quality uh, through the density of particles that you find and you can combine this with uh, census information about the density of population Okay, so if you know how good the air quality is, and if you know how many people live in a particular quadrant, well, you can get a very good and worldwide picture of exposure to pollution. None of this uh, was available several years ago. It's not only the sources, it's also the way how we manage and deal with data has been greatly enhanced with uh, digitalization. Just think of, you know, the storage possibilities that we have, the data lakes that can be, can be constructed. Speed, of course, uh, dealing with big volumes of data. Statistical offices are using machine learning tools, for example, to classify responses that they get from individual firms into industry categories. So they look at characteristics and rather than a person sitting there and allocating the responses to a particular industry group, well, this is done by an algorithm now with a rather great deal of accuracy. And finally, the, the third element is the whole issue or the whole area of data dissemination. I mean, if you, if you think of the uh, visualization tools that we dispose of today and you are comparing them with those even 10 years ago you realize the massive jump uh, that has has happened there and all that is due to digitalization to what extent do you think the ongoing covid 19 pandemic has accelerated this move towards digital tools what with lockdown and working from home and so on Quite so. Uh, the uh, COVID pandemic has been clearly an accelerator in the digital transformation of the world of statistics. There were two reasons for this. One was the pandemic with its sort of big shock put massive uh, premium on getting more timely and more granular data. In a situation of a pandemic, you want to have last week's data or last month's data, not the data from 2019. So the, there was a big push towards getting more timely data and there was a big push getting more granular data because different socioeconomic groups, uh, women, uh, men, uh, poor households, rich households were affected very differently from the pandemic. Small firms were affected differently from large firms. One region was affected differently from the others. All this you can only assess with uh, the the right granularity of data and the timeliness at the same time. So, well, one way to do it is to use 
digital tools to get at least estimates uh, for now casting, so making the data as timely as possible and or as granular as possible with some of the tools that I was describing just before. The second reason was that the pandemic, of course, inhibited use of certain traditional tools to collect data. So you could not conduct face-to-face -face interviews anymore. You could not have price collectors going out to the local shop and put down the, the price quote for apples. So suddenly the statisticians were forced to think of substitute ways of, of getting to their information and by using, say, by using scanner data, for, with barcodes instead of having a price collector or going to websites or having digital interviews rather than face-to-face -face interviews. And all this probably would have happened at a slower pace had it not been for the pandemic. Yeah, I was at a conference on data recently, an online UN conference, and I was quite impressed by how countries around the world, in Africa in particular, were dealing with statistics despite the pandemic. Is that what you're picking up as well? Absolutely, yes, yes. Digitalization enables uh, completely new techniques even to be deployed more quickly to the developing world. Some sort of leapfrogging or leapfrogging possibilities, at least. There are many opportunities there and uh, uh, the, uh, the various international institutions are, are working closely with uh, with the countries to leverage those those possibilities also for the poorer parts of the globe. What about skills in all of this? With all these changes going on, are the skill requirements for statisticians evolving too? Well, definitely skills profiles are, are changing as in every profession and have changed. The reason is simply that uh, uh, yeah, we have all these new possibilities out there and you need a, a somewhat different skill set to exploit them. I was mentioning before the machine learning that would be used nowadays to classify responses from enterprises. You need, of course, people who think about those algorithms. You need people who think about where the possibilities lie for these applications. And this is also translated to our work here at the OECD, where the job profile of statisticians has evolved over time, as it has in, in countries. Some people joke that you need to have a computer science degree to work on statistics. And we hear terms like data scientist. How does all of that fit in? One can argue about definitions and job profiles, but it is clear that exploiting large volumes of data with a view to using them for analysis or for certain statistical purposes requires a skill set that lies between quantitative analysis and uh, IT capabilities. And I think this is where this profile of a, of a data scientist comes in. But of course, we also need uh, people who think very carefully about how national accounts are constructed. A big topic is how to characterize cryptocurrencies. Okay, in terms of assets, is this a financial asset? Which sort of financial asset is it? How do we put it in our system? Is it a non-financial asset? There is a, a lot of discussion around this, uh, which is not about data science, and yet it is very much at the forefront of uh, the developments that we are, we are observing. What about more traditional metrics that statisticians work on, like GDP, gross domestic product, which is a standard economic indicator? 
Has digitalization helped OECD work on those indicators as well? We've been talking about some of the opportunities that digitalization has offered to statisticians. Well, this comes in right through here. We make it more timely data for GDP. We can use Google search uh, to find out what people are looking for, what they want to buy, and give us an indication how consumer expenditure may be developing almost now casting this to last week okay, which is something that we otherwise we wouldn't uh, be able to do digitalization has uh, many facets that make it easier to compile data for gdp but it has also made life more difficult to produce gdp simply because uh, it is much harder to deal with quality change for example that arises in uh, digital products your smartphone that you buy today may cost uh, the same as the one that you bought two years ago, but it's not the same phone. Your new phone can do quite a few more things than your old phone could. So it's not the same price. You're not comparing the same product. Actually, you want to quality adjust. You have to say, well, the new phone can do more. A nominal price is the same, so actually it has become cheaper in real terms. But how much cheaper? That is the big question for the statistician to evaluate. As I mentioned at the start of our conversation, this year, 2022, marks the 30th anniversary of the OECD directorate you now lead. What I haven't mentioned is that you've been involved in the statistics directorate since its creation in March 1992. Any favorite memories? It reminds me, this has been a long, uh, it was a long time ago. My personal memory, I should say, the one that has stuck with me when I, when I joined uh, at that time was how graphs were generated. There was an office with uh, five, six, seven uh, persons who were physically producing charts on big cardboard tables, cutting out the, the lines and so on that were, they were put on these tables. And then these were photographed and made it into a publication at the end of the day. I mean, you compare this with today's capacity to create a graph within seconds, uh, and you realize how far we have come. You've had a full and successful career and seen many changes. So I'd like to finish the podcast by asking you, what advice would you give a younger Paul Schreier who is thinking about a career in statistics now? I would just say this is a great moment to go into statistics for all the reasons that I mentioned before. It's uh, something that brings together the latest developments in uh, evidence, in uh, IT, in digitalization with uh, many employment possibilities going forward as well. I mean, statisticians are by no means uh, a population that only works in statistical offices. So you have them everywhere now in private companies. It's a great space to go to and I could only encourage everyone who is interested in those things to do so. Paul Schreier, Chief Statistician of the OECD, Thank you very much for these insights into the important and fascinating world of statistics. Thank you, Rory, for having me. To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, 
Google Podcasts and SoundCloud.com slash OECD.